everything in life is not going to come like that to you. There's going to be times where you're going to have to just learn from the people in front of you and be patient until your time comes. Yeah. As a coach, that's and whether you're in sports or looking for a job or you're in a just starting a job, there's going to be people that have more experience than you. You're just going to have to learn from them and be patient. You are now tuning in to the Roughnecks Podcast with your host, Cole Nixon. Much love. I really hope you guys enjoy today's episode. If you do, then be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, then pay a simple cheap fee. All I ask is that you like the episode and then maybe share it with a friend you think would enjoy it as well. Help continue to grow this podcast and share the words of wisdom from all my guests that joined the show with as many people as possible. As always, be sure to grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life. Let's get into this week's episode. It is gratitude and I'm doing things a little different. Usually we come on and talk about these topics, but this month I'm bringing on a few of the people that I am the most grateful for in my life. This month you'll hear for some of my best friends, a couple of my former coaches who have helped shape me into the person I am today. Joining me today for episode 61 is my high school football coach, coach Jeff Severino. Coach Sev, welcome to the Roughnecks podcast. Thank you, Cole. Appreciate you having me on. Not a problem. I've been wanting to do this for a while now. And I've just been trying to find the right time to bring you on because I know you have a lot of insight, a lot of knowledge, um, definitely helps shape young, young, uh, I forget, young and men, or I forget the words, boys and the men, essentially, is what I'm trying yep. to say. But I like to start every episode by allowing the guests to give the Roughnecks listeners a little background on who they are. So tell us who Coach uh, Sev is. All right. Well, I'm, uh, I've been, um, I'll tell you a little bit about my family. Married my uh, high school sweetheart. Janet, we have two boys, uh, Chris and Connor, uh, both graduates of uh, Watkins Memorial and the Air Force Academy, and they're both pilots in the Air Force, so I'm pretty proud of them, and then I've been here at Southwest Licking Schools for 40 years, so I'm still teaching. Um, I stepped down from football about three years ago, and then, but I still do middle school track, uh, but it, you know, it's, uh, we, I think uh, stepping back from football, I, everyone asked me, do I miss it? And uh, I do, I miss the kids and I miss the coaches. Uh, I, I miss that interaction with, the, with those, those kids. But besides that, uh, I'm just gonna finish out my next couple of years and then retire and see what goes from there. Yeah, 40 years. I believe you've been there for all of my siblings, possibly. I know at least me and Clayton for sure. I'm not sh- sure about Shell and I've, Tina, though. Well, I've been there since 82. I couldn't tell you when they graduated. I have no <laughs> idea. The older siblings, I never, I don't know all that stuff about them because me and my oldest sister have a 16-year age gap. But uh, yeah. Shetzel, she went to my uh, Michelle graduated with Shetzel. So if yep. I don't know when that was, but that yeah, was, so. I think, in, yep probably 91 92 something like that 
But first thing I want to do since this month is gratitude is say thank you. I've kind of already touched on it a little bit, but you were one of the people early in my life that taught me a lot about life. A lot of things that I didn't realize at the time that were more than just football. And, you know, it's some things I'm still finding out today. Each and every day I'm learning new things that I didn't realize looking back at like high school football, even college football, you're like, wow, that wasn't just about football. That was about life. But I wanted to say thank you for that. Not just teaching me about football, but also teaching me how to be essentially a man. Well, I appreciate that. You know, that as a coach, you hope you have, it's not the wins and losses. It's when kids come back and see you 10 years from now, five years from now and see how they're doing. And I think that's important. I think as a coach, that is probably the most satisfying thing about coaching is watching your kids who you've coached and they go out into the world and they become uh, productive community members. Yes. And it's crazy to think like what a sport can do for somebody. It can change a person's life. Like I've seen it with a lot of kids who we've had kids come into college who, you know, they were from bad parts, like they went through a rough time, but then all of a sudden when they get to college, it seems like they start to change their life because they're around that community essentially with football community that kind of brings people up i think you're right about that I, you know there are kids who come from some uh some pretty bad backgrounds but when they get around other kids who have a similar similar goal in life uh to make themselves better i think you help uplift those kids and not only do we help them but they help us as well mm -hmm. because we all know life isn't perfect uh, we all know we all go through some adversity and things like that. And uh, we, we, we hope, we hope as coaches that we, when we send you guys off, whether you're graduating from high school, graduating from college, that when you walk out into your whatever, wherever you live, that you will give back to those kids as we have given to you. A hundred percent. But the one thing I do want to ask, because I don't know if anybody I've ever heard it, anybody ask you this, where did the whole Sev thing come from? I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory with the whole Severino, but when did, what, there's got to be a little bit of an origin story behind it. That, well, I had five brothers. They were all named Sev. <laughs> and uh, it was just something that, uh, you know, they, I was in high school, they called me Sev. I think it was just kind of an easier term than Severino. Uh, but when I got into college, it was the same thing. When I started my freshman year in college and I was playing football, it was, it, we all just kind of, you know, we had friends and we, we got together and everyone just started. It was just a kind of a fluke because that's the first three letters of my last name. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I mean, we, me, Clayton got it more than I did, but we used to always get called the Knicks. Like mom, yeah. we always knew if we heard mom, especially you didn't really notice it in football, but in basketball, if you heard mom up in the stands saying something about yeah. the Knicks, you knew you were in trouble and you needed to tone it down a little bit. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> that is true. But you mentioned it a little bit. You played a little bit of college football yourself as well, correct? I did. I played at Bethany College, a Division three school. Uh, well, probably one of the best decisions I ever made. You know, and I talk to all my kids. I, I teach a coaching class at, uh, at the high school. So I get a lot of athletes in my coaching class. And I talk to them about Division One, Two, and Three. And, you know, there, there's differences. Let, let's face it, you know, Division One scholarship, Division Two is partial scholarship. Division Three is all based on academic need. Mm -hmm. But I don't care what division you play at. You're going to run into some 
pretty good athletes and you're going to have to learn how to compete. Uh, but when I went to Bethany, we, it was just, you know, you come in with probably, you know, how division three is they, they, they go out and bring in about 80 kids, mm -hmm. you know, their main thing is to bring people on campus. Yeah. That's what they would. And then I, uh, you know, after each, each year you're, you know, you go from 80, now you're down to 60 kids on, from that class. And then you go down to maybe 40 kids in that class. And then you're by your senior year, you pretty much, in my case, we had about eight seniors left over from 60 that started, you know, and that happens. Kids go on to different things. Uh, they don't think football is their thing. So they, you know, they get involved in something else in the college, but it, it is one of those things where you become very close with your friends. And I'm sure your senior year at uh, Ohio Wesleyan, you probably had a group of kids made it all the way through your four years and you become pretty close with them. And they will be your best friends for life mm -hmm. just because of what you went through, not only, not only in practices, but also games. A hundred percent. And like people, we've talked on this podcast a lot. Some people do knock D3 and like don't necessarily want to do it because they're like, oh, it's like they almost see it as, yeah, it's D3. It's below. You're not on TV. You're not playing in front of hundreds and thousands of fans. But like you said, there is talent at that level because I remember playing Wittenberg who had a transfer from Kentucky, a transfer yep. from some of these like D1 schools. And you're like, like this, this kid obviously had enough talent to go beyond a D1 team. And now they're the, circumstances happen now they're at a d3 school but you know i remember lining up against them when i actually played corner the one year and i'm like i'm guarding a d1 receiver technically <laughs> like like it's there is a ton of talent and like you said like you watch your class just dwindle because my freshman year at ohio wesleyan i believe we bought it brought in one of the biggest classes that watts had and by the end of it yeah we had double digits but i think it was like 12 and i yeah. believe like one or two of them was the transfer in. So they didn't even come in, in from like our freshman year. Right. Yeah. But there's actually still, I believe about six of them still up there at Ohio Wesleyan, still playing using their COVID year essentially and playing this right. year, but they're doing yeah. pretty well. So I, I'm, I'm happy for them. I just, I wanted to, but then it was also one of those where I sat down and was like, you know, I think it's time just to move on with life. I've had my four years of college football. I enjoyed every bit of it, but I think it's time to get a little further in the money aspect thing. It's sure, not, it's sure. not cheap to go to school for another year. No, it's not. But you know, and as you know, those kids that you talk about that you graduated with, uh, as I said, they're going to be your best friends and they're, you're going to keep in contact. And, you know, you guys are going to go with a, your class reunions and, you go to football games and it's just a, it's a tight knit group that I think helps you to become a, a better person. And I think that that's important. A hundred percent. Cause I can, I know there's plenty of people that I could call up today, even if they're two hours away, if I needed something, they'd be there. They would do it for me. Like they are some of your, like, in high school, you drift away from those people, yes. most of them. Like, I think I hang out with maybe two or three of my high school friends still. And, but like, and they do anything for me, not knocking them. I love them to death. Right. But like, right. you go back and like college, I probably have 10 because I have people text me every weekend. Hey, you going to the game this weekend? Hey, you going to the game this weekend? And unfortunately, I ha haven't had the time to get to a game, but right. hopefully I'll be actually, this episode will be out after that game, but I'll be at the Denison game. So since it's right here by home, but yeah. so, yeah, but I want to talk a little bit about your college career. 
I want to ask you, what position did you play, actually? I believe I know the answer to this. I was recruited as a defensive back. So my freshman year, I played defensive back. Made a couple uh, away games, not many. You know, as a freshman, it's, it's, it's like a sophomore coming into a high school uh, program. You're 15 years old going against people who are 18, 17 and 18 year olds. Totally. It's just a big gauge gap, you know? And, uh, and then when you go to college, you're talking 18, 19 year old going against some 22, 23, maybe even a 24 year old. <laughs> exactly. There's just a big, big age. But when I came in, I came in as a defensive back the next year. They needed a tailback, so I moved over to the offensive side, and that's where I spent the last three years of my college as a, as a, as a tailback. Which side did you prefer? Because there's always a preference in, on offense and defense. Well, I was of the thinking of this. I wanted to play where I could compete for a position, but the, at the same time help the team. So, you know, when, when the coach came in and said, hey, man, we'd like for you to move over to the offensive side, I thought I said, okay, I will. He goes, I think well, you can help us there. And that was my big thing is because there were there was a tailback. They moved him over to defense. And so, you know, we just kind of switched sides. But it was it was all about making the team better. And, that, and I think that's important when 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 kids get switched from one side to the other they need to understand that when a coach makes that decision he's doing it because from a team aspect not you know, not for you know i think we can get you a scholarship on this side of the bar or this side of the bar it that's really has nothing to do with it. it it really has to do with what's best for the team yeah that is one of the things i learned from you i remember you know, you, you always used to talk, don't whine and complain. Just do what, because it's what's for best for the team. You may not think it is, but the coach, you have to trust your coaches and trust your, what they have, their instincts. Because I remember my junior year when they switched me to corner, I'm like, I never thought I could be a corner. And I'm like, you know, I, I really don't know how I'm going to be able to do this. But I was like, that's where we had a kind of a hole and we had plenty of safeties that we had. I think there was four in front of me. So like, they were like, you know what, go here. It's, we need help here. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. I'm not going to want and complain. I'm just going to go figure it out and try my hardest to do what I have to do. And, and you know, that's a great attitude. And there are times when kids get very upset about when a coach moves them, but you know, as they go on in the season, they all of a sudden they start having success at the spot we moved them to. They usually come around and say, hey, coach, I, I, I agree with you. I'm glad you moved me. So that, that helps as well. Yeah, because I remember, like, I mean, everybody's dream is to catch touchdowns or throw touchdowns. That's what everybody thinks of when they're young. That's what they want to do. And my sophomore year, when you guys put me on defense, I was like, you know, I was never defensive minded for say, but I was like, you know what? I mean, I, I'm out on the field on Friday nights. It's fun. And then you realize like, wow, this is a lot of fun. And that could have been the same if I was defensive mind that you guys put me on offense. It's just one of those things that once you get to experience it. And like you said, once you have a little success at that position, you're happy that that happened. Right. And, 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 the, and the thing about you is you were, you were football, what we call football smart. Uh, you understood how the game was played. You were like a coach on the field for us and, we knew if we put you in the spot, you would, you would learn that spot and you would become the best at that spot. And that's why we moved you because we thought 
you know, that you were able to handle that change. I will say, I don't want to take the credit for that because I know I had a lot of people ahead of me in classes like Michael Ford, Cameron Johnson, those type of people who I looked up to and learned a lot from them as well. That's the thing too. You know, look at your peers, look at your older peers, even your guys your age or younger who are doing things right because they're doing things right for a reason. Like they're on the field for a reason. Pay attention to what they're doing and try and mimic their work ethic, their hard work, like all that stuff, because that might get you that spot on that field. I totally agree with that. You're absolutely right. But how long ago did you start coaching? I started coaching in 19. I graduated college in 80. I stayed one year at Bethany as a grad assistant. Then after that year, and, and being a grad assistant, let's face it, it's just you're doing a lot of leg stuff. You're getting this for the coach and trying to put breakdown film and all that. And then I had a chance to go back home to my hometown, Elkins, West Virginia. Uh, so I was the I became the uh, head freshman coach there. And then that lasted one year. And then uh, the one thing about how I got here to Pataskala out of West Virginia is before your time, I played for a guy named Donald at Bethany. Mm -hmm. His brother was the head coach at Watkins when I moved up here. That's how I got the connection. If you're from the Patasco community, you know who Alt is, Coach Alt is. Yeah. Everybody knows who Coach Alt is. Yeah, and I interviewed for the job. And, you know, I worked with Mr. Mr. Gardner, interviewed me, who was that middle school principal, and then it just kind of snowballed, and I got the job, and that's, this is where I've been ever since. I'm definitely so really, I've been for that. Yeah, I, I've been coaching probably, let's see, for football, I've been coaching probably 39 years. When did, the, my, when did the track part of that start? How did you, were you always, were you in the track in high school and stuff? How did yes. the track, yeah, I was yes. going to ask how the track coach became a part. Well, just the, at the middle school level, they needed a track coach when I first got there. And so I just kind of slipped into an assistant job. And then two years later, when Miss Coach Heffelfinger moved up to high school, I kind of stepped into that, and then I've been I've been head coach ever since. So it's always a I think track is one of those sports where everybody can do it. Okay, and there's all different types of events they can do, but it gives some kids some chances that they couldn't in any other sport. And I think that was uh, that that was important. And track is definitely a big deal at Watkins. We have many people who have gone on to do great things from our track program, like oh, um, yes. Andrew Jordan's a prime example yep. right now, doing really well for himself. And Hunter Holton, I believe, went to, what, Notre Dame? And, Notre uh, Dame. Yep. So we've had – that's just a list of a couple. I know there's Desmond who went to Michigan. We have a ton of people who have came yes. out of uh, Watkins and gone and done great things in track. Yep, yep. They, uh, they've done well for themselves. Yes. But – which do you prefer coaching? I know you're not coaching football anymore, but if you had to pick one, which one would it probably be? It would be football. I think football is a, a sport where you, you can recover from it. And I talk about adversity all the time. And it, it's, it's something that you, you've got to teach kids how to overcome. There, there's going to be bad times in football games. And I always tell the kids this, you've got to have a short memory because if you're going to worry about the bad play you had to play before, they're going to come back at you mm -hmm. and they're going to burn you again or they're going to make you make a mistake. And so I think that is life in a nutshell. 
because let's face it, your our lives aren't going to be hunky dory. They're not going to be roses all the time. Yeah, there's going to be times in your life, and I think as football, when you play football, that kind of mirrors that. Yes, a hundred percent. Because I remember, like you said, like you can't let that one play. You got to have a short memory because I mean, playing DB, especially if you yeah, got beat right. deep for a pass and you're sitting there hanging your head, yeah. they're going to throw it right back at you because yep. they know you're down. You're not thinking about the next play. You're not focused. And that was one thing me and Scott, I've talked about it. Like now that we're out of school and stuff and we've sat there and we're like, you know, coach Sev always used to tell us at halftime, we're going to have adversity. You're going to have adversity. We were like, it doesn't matter if we were down 10 or up 10. We were getting the adversity talk because no matter what, you're going to get the adversity. Like even so, yep. there's always going to be something and like adversity of maybe you're not getting the calls from the ref. But like you said, it translates into life to where, you know, you're going to have that those hard times. But what are you going to do about it? You can't just hang your head because life's just going to keep moving. And you'll just keep getting ran over. That's exactly right. And learning to bounce back and, you know, overcoming the, 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 the shortcomings is important. Yes. But what you've coached multiple different positions in your football coaching I career. Yeah. What, what all positions you've probably coached pretty much every position. Haven't you? I have. When I first came to Watkins, I was the uh, tight ends coach and tackles coach. Now, when, when I first came to Watkins, we run a we ran a straight T, two tight ends, three backs in the backfield, and it, it, well, all we did was block down, 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 kick out. That's just how it was back then. Uh, but you know, but I started that without, and then I moved to offensive back. Then in back in my day, which was we had to coach both sides of the ball. Mm -hmm. So you know, I would coach one side, and then it was a defensive day. We moved over, but my favorite position of all has always been corner. Uh, I just think that corner is one of those positions where you're put out there on an island, and you either sink or you swim. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the right kid out there with that type of attitude, that you know, I've got to make this play, it's going to be a long night for them. And I think you learn a lot about kids. When you put them out there on an island and, you know, they're out there all by themselves, they don't have any help over top. And, you know, they're just, they're just playing their butt off to not make a mistake. Yeah. I remember every school has the call where if you get, you know, I think in college we called it yo-yo where that means you're on your own. And like, yeah. we, I believe we, I don't even remember what we called it back when I was in high school, I think red or something, but yeah. you, everybody has a call where the safety's told you, you're on your own by yourself. You gotta, you, you gotta do it yourself, but corner is yeah. definitely a position. Like it was, I'd say, cause I've played both safety and corner safety takes a lot more thought, yeah. but corner takes a lot more skill. Yes. I totally agree with you there. You're just one-on-one -on -one out there. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and, and, and it, those are things that I, I, I don't think people understand how, I know people are screaming and yelling at you. Coaches are yelling, watch, watch out, watch, they're going to come at you, they're going to come at you. But you've got to be focused out there. You can't take a playoff or it's going to be going to be a rough day. <laughs> <laughs> like we always say, the band's going to be striking. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> if you take a playoff, right. the band's going to be starting to play. Yeah. But yep. was coaching always in your mind from when? Is that kind of something that you want, always wanted to get into? 
I did. Uh, when I uh, started, uh, when I was in high school, I was very fortunate to have some great coaches. You know, and not, not everybody does that. And not everybody gets great coaches. But I was very fortunate. All my years of playing football, I had great coaches. I, I would bend over backwards for them, run through a brick wall for them, just because of they, they cared about you and they wanted to see you to be uh, productive and things like that. And, and I thought that was, and I saw how they interacted with the kids. And I thought that would be, that would be fun to do. You know, I wanted to become a teacher. And then I said, coaching would just be a cherry on top of it. And, you know, I've been lucky. I've, I've had some, not only me as a head coach, but I've had great coaches I've coached with over the last 30 some years. And those, that's what makes coaching fun. Mm -hmm. Working with those kids on the, working with the coaches on the weekends and going out scouting together and trying to put a game plan together. And all of a sudden on Friday night, it works like you put it together. <laughs> that is fantastic. But, you know, there's always the other side where you put game plan together and on the second play of the game, it goes out the window and you're trying, <laughs> you're trying to adjust, and, you know, and that's why you have four or five assistants to kind of help you to get things going. Yeah, a hundred percent. Cause I, in college, you know, you come over to the bench and then it's like, all right, it's, what did we see? And then as he's talking up in the press box to our other defensive guy, like, what did you see? And we're like, like you said, that plan, you might have to change it on the fly, but that yep. just goes with the adversity thing that we, like, right. we, you always have talked about because you're going to have adversity in everything you do, no matter what it is, job, yep. career, or your career, your family, your, your personal life, everything, you're going to experience it. And it's always about the bouncing back. You know, uh, people probably don't know this, but you, when you were senior, you broke your, uh, was it your collarbone? Uh, elbow. Second, elbow, second game of the year, I think. Yep, first home game of the year. <laughs> against, against Walnut Ridge, I believe. Yes. And uh, that was, uh, and we go, oh my gosh, because you were like our quarterback on the defensive side. We always knew you were going to put us in the right spot. And so you, it, you broke your your collarbone and then all of a sudden you know we don't have you for maybe what six games i believe it was four or five games yes i, I think believe. i think you came back uh, against lakewood, lakewood or, yep yep and you had that interception and i looked over at coach warrington and i said hey i think cole's back <laughs> and, I, and you know that but those are the things that other people don't see uh, other people would have just said oh man i'm not good but you came up to every practice you helped our younger kids get ready. You helped the guy behind you who was backing you up get ready. You, you prepped them and you got them ready and you talked to them on the sidelines. I think that's important. And, we, and when you came back and was able to play, even the backup that was, that was taking your spot, he only had great things to say about you because he knew how much you helped him. And so that those are things you'd like to see from your players. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, bouncing back from an injury and then coming out and getting right back into it. Yeah. The other thing too, what a, a lot of people probably don't know is like when I first got my x-rays and everything, 
I first thing I said, obviously, was how long till I can get back. And they told me I was done for the year. And I just refused to accept that because it's my senior year. I obviously wanted to go play college football. And I was like, you know, this is not necessarily helping my college chances. Right. But it was one of those where I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to let this happen. And I had all this adversity against me. And, but like, like you said, what are you going to do? Just that kind of goes with the whole slogan of this podcast, which is grab the bull by the horns. And it like bull is the bull is life. And we're the bull rider and it's going to knock you down, but you can't just lay there and let it just walk all over. You have to get up, grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life. And only you can take control of your life. Other people can push you in the right direction, but at the end of the day, you're the one that is deciding the outcome of what happens. That's it. That's exactly right. And I think having a positive attitude in anything that you do is a plus. And I always talk to my kids and not, you know, at the high school, I, I teach weightlifting classes and I have a coaching class and I teach a health class, but I tell them all, I said, you know, you guys, are, you're going to come out of this class and you're going to move on, but how you work in my classes is important. Uh, you know, try and be your best, especially in weightlifting. Not, and you were always in the weight room, but these kids, they think, well, I don't have to work hard today. And you can tell a lot about a kid when you're teaching weightlifting, mm-hmm. how they, you know, on that last rep, do they push or do they give up? And that kind of tells you a little bit about, and I've got some kids who they will take those last two or three reps, even though they're, they're at muscle fatigue and really push it out. And then I've got kids on the other side as well. Mm-hmm. They, they, I hope to, move them on to try and learn to push themselves but that's all part of learning Mm -hmm. I mean trying to push yourself yeah you got to almost step out of your comfort zone because it's going to be uncomfortable you're going to have those uncomfortable times like it's uncomfortable when you're barely able to push it up and you might think it's a lightweight even if it's a heavyweight it's not comfortable no that is where you grow is when you push past that comfort zone and break through and keep going yes that is exactly right you know, and it takes a while, some kids to learn it. Other kids come in, they already have it, and they just get better and better and better. And it, you know, I, I don't know what makes kids do that. Uh, I don't know if it's their upbringing. I don't know if it's if they've never faced adversity in their life, and all of a sudden this is the first time that they've faced something where it's uncomfortable. Uh, but some kids, they figure out that, you know, it's okay to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And one day it'll be comfortable. And then you get uncomfortable again. Yep. <laughs> and it, a, just, it's just, it just it, goes back and forth. Yep, it's a cycle. It never stops. That's the thing is like you might, yeah, you might have crossed that one barrier, but guess what? Another one's up ahead. There's another cross. That's right. But that's life. And that's what you're going to experience in yep. your career. That's what you're going to experience with your spouse. Whatever it is, you're going to come through these uncomfortable circumstances that if you just stop, then that could be you're, you're holding back your potential, essentially. Yes, that is exactly right. And while you, you know, you're talking about being grateful and you thank me, but I think in the, in, 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 I'm grateful too, because I had kids like you who would come out for football or, or become a, you know, a run track, but you were always one who took coaching and you were very coachable. Um, and, and there were a lot of kids in your class that were very coachable. Uh, Dante Fair, he was in your mm-hmm. class, very coachable. Okay. And those are the kids that you know are going to be successful because they're able to take direction. And you may 
get upset sometimes what we say, but you just learn to keep your mouth shut and don't say anything and you'll just work through it. Uh, there's other kids who don't understand how to take direction and it takes them a while to kind of catch on. But I, I'm just grateful for kids that I had over the last 30 some years that uh, made my life great just because of the way they played, but also the coaches that I got to coach with, uh, you know, from Mike Warrington to Jerry Cook to Joe Alt to Jeff Buchanan, uh, all those coaches that were with me during those times and I coached with, those are, those are the friendships that you, you will have for the rest of your life. 100%. And like you said, you don't remember the records because even I don't even know if I, I might be able to tell you our best record, but like you obviously don't remember the other records. You just remember the memories, the That's things right. that happen. Like, you know, we still it, the people used to talk about it when we were in high school, like, oh, when you're older, you're going to be sitting there going, I remember back in my day. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, me and Scott do that all the time now. Caleb yeah. Scott, we do it all the time where we'll be sitting there, me and Dante like, oh, you guys remember the Newark Catholic game and such and such. And like, oh, yeah, like we remember those parts. Yes. You don't even necessarily remember. Yeah, we might have won that game. You don't remember the score. You might, you might remember if you won or lost, but you don't remember your records. You don't remember the score. You just remember the memories. And those they're are little, the biggest thing. They're little snapshots mm. of things that happened that, you, that, that brought you together as a group. And most of you, if you sat down with your senior group, you, would, you could probably pick out five or six games and pick out certain plays that happened in those games because it was just such a big influence and uh, those are fun. And kids come back and talk to us and, you know, hey, do you remember this game? And I'm sitting there trying to rack my brain <laughs> and they start reminding me because you know, you, they rem remember their game. But, you know, I've got 30. We have 30 some yeah. years of games going on. Um, but it, it, it's 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 a, it's exciting to see. Those kids and uh, I think being. Being that part of something makes you a better person. hundred percent. And you've always been one too. That's big on not just playing football, playing multiple sports. Yes. Because it'll always help you. And you get those more memories, more friendships, yes. more like you just build more of a community. And that's something I've learned through college and from high school even, but like I took an entrepreneurship class in college and you know, I've used it a, like a lot of that class my, uh, concept in this podcast with how I do things. And it's like, you know, you build connections through everything. Exactly. And like every person you meet can be another connection to another person who, you know, I've got more people coming on in next month, which I'm not going to announce the big guest yet. But like I used another connection and actually a couple connections to get this guest because it's not like I have a direct connection, but like you build those connections through multiple sports, multiple, you know, whatever it's stepping outside your comfort zone, but playing multiple sports always helps you for your other sport as well. Yes, I totally agree. I was a big multi-sport guy and in a school our size, you had to have multi-sport athletes mm -hmm. uh, to be, to compete. And so it, and when a kid come up to me and it was, it was after football season, he was playing basketball and we were starting weightlifting for football and he would come into the weight room. I would say, Hey man, you're in, it's basketball season. Now you don't need to come to the weight room until your season's over. Cause I never wanted to put some kids in situations where I, 
I've got to make a decision whether to go basketball practice or weight lift football. That's not fair to the kid. And so I always said, when basketball's over or when wrestling's over, you come into the weight room. If you're a three-sport athlete, I was just hoping that their coaches in their sport had some type of lifting program. Yeah. And you would catch up with us in the summer. So I always, I was always a proponent of multi-sport athletes. And those were always our better athletes. Yes. They were always, they were, they were competing every season. They weren't taking any time off. Their grades were much better because they had to stay eligible and they had to stay on task. And and some of these multi-sport athletes were also working. They would have jobs. And it, it just, it, it carries over when you're all done with sports and you got to go out and find a job somewhere. Those are things you can look back on. We've talked millions of times on this podcast about how sports can relate to life so much through everything from adversity, your work ethic, all that time management yes. is the biggest one, in my opinion. Yes, time I totally agree. Because I realized real quick, once I graduated uh, college, that I kind of, you know, I was just working and then like I wasn't working at like all these things. And then I was like, I really need to go back to like how I was doing things in college to manage my time better. Yes. Because I was realizing I was running out of time, but it was also me just not managing it myself. Yes. But it is something like through football in college, especially because, you know, you have way less time than you did in high school when you're That's in exactly college right. sport. But yep. it's you learn real quick how to manage that time. Like, yeah, you might have an hour here during the day. You should probably you could take a nap or play video games, but you should probably do some homework because you have a six <laughs> to eight practice tonight and four That's to six right. films. So you might want to you don't really want to be up till three in the morning doing homework. Yeah. You know, and when kid, I, we'll, we'll have some kids who from this year's team who will go on and play some, some division three ball and some division two. And it, it will be an eye-opening experience when they go into this program and see that, oh, my God, we're lifting 530 in the morning. What's going on here? <laughs> and I know they can't make it mandatory. It doesn't matter. You got you have your teammates here saying, hey, buddy, we're going to go lift. Yeah. Oh, and I remember in college, you know, yeah, we have those 6 a.m. lifts. You don't want to be late because guess what? You're waking up even earlier the next day the next, to go yeah, that's run. Right. <laughs> that's where uh, you learned real quick because we have this thing called Dawn Patrol at Ohio Wesleyan. And like the first thing, you know, all the freshmen are like looking at the uh, schedule and they're like, what's Dawn Patrol? And we're like, huh, you really don't want to know. Like you don't want to find <laughs> out. You want to stay away from Dawn Patrol. Uh, but, I'm, sure, I'm sure some people found out about it. Oh, I, I'll be honest. I did, I think twice, twice in my <laughs> career and it it's not fun because we had to go run what we called a half a bishop mile which is you'd run around the track for a half mile but you do the bleachers and like if we did it at walk hands it's not that bad because the bleachers aren't as big but ohio wasteland you're going up and down big bleachers three times and then you got to go do the away side that's the same size right and still run your half miles yeah And your coach doesn't want to be there any more than you have want to be there. So he you're just trying to hurry up so you can both get out of there. That's right. But I wanted to ask, what was your favorite memory as a coach? Favorite memory. And over a lot of years, I'm sure that's not necessarily something that's easy. Well, yeah, but there was a there was a we the 2006 season. We were uh, that year we were nine and one. 
but uh, the last game of the season, we played Dublin Sciota. Mm-hmm. And um, if we beat Dublin Sciota, we were headed to the playoffs. We've never beat Dublin Sciota before. And I just thought that was a cherry on top because we had beat them. And we, it wasn't a close game. We, we beat them pretty good. And the years before that, they just slaughtered us. They were just, they were beating us 48-7. And, and all of a sudden, that 2006 season, 2016, that was one of my favorite games, just because those kids stepped up to the plate when they had to. And uh, it was a rainy game, and that doesn't make things any easier. No, because that's when everybody was grass, too. Nobody really yes. had surf then. Right. And it, it would, that was just a, I, 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 I thought that was a good game for us. One I, I remember the most. And that was also the season, I believe that was the first ever playoffs for Watkins, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yes, yeah. it was. Because that was Clayton's freshman year. And I remember going to the playoff game and I was so young, I didn't really understand at the time. But right. And Clayton always used to rub in my face like, oh, I, I got to go to playoffs. And then when we went to playoffs <laughs> my sophomore year, I was like, ha, so That's right. I. And Clayton, <laughs> sorry to tell you, I beat Heights. You didn't. <laughs> so but That is true. That's that brother back and forth that always That's happens. right. That's it. I, I'm pretty sure the Nixon clan was pretty competitive. <laughs> Still are. Still are. <laughs> we'll have a family something rather. It doesn't matter what it is. It's still competitive. <laughs> I, I can believe it. I can um, believe it. But I wanted to ask you, you know, you have a lot of experience coaching and I do have some younger people on this podcast that listen that I know want to eventually be coaches. Do you have any tips or pointers to young coaches out there or just any coach in general or anybody who wants to become a coach eventually? I, I just think that as a, as a coach, you've got to be a role model. Uh, and when I say role model, I mean, the kids look at you and you're making decisions uh, that's best for the team. And I think the kids need to see things like that. Uh, and there are times when we all face adversity. How, how as a coach, how are you going to handle that? Uh, because you got eyes behind you looking at you. And if you're nice, calm, and collective, and you know, you're you're dealing with it in an organized manner, that's how those kids are going to deal with everything. So I always I, I think being a positive role model in their lives is something important. Mm-hmm. And the next thing is I, I try and get kids to understand that, and, and I have a saying that I, I give to the kids, it's work hard. Stay disciplined and be patient. Your time will come. Because I always, these kids coming up through the program, you know, they played with third graders, they played with fourth graders, played with their fifth graders, they played sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders, ninth graders. All of a sudden, their sophomore year, they think they're still be starting. Yeah. And and I, I'm glad they think like that, but they may not be physically ready to start a varsity game. But that's why I always say be patient and stay the course, work hard and stay disciplined and your time will come. And I think as a coach, you've got to tell those kids, don't get me wrong, there are some sophomores who who start, okay? They're just really ready to start. They may not be physically ready. Maybe they're mentally ready mm-hmm. uh, to be able to play that game. And as they as they do that, as a coach, you just need to, you know, un- make them understand that 
everything in life is not going to come like that to you. There's going to be times where you're going to have to just learn from the people in front of you and be patient until your time comes. Yeah. As a coach, that's and whether you're in sports or looking for a job or you're in a just starting a job, there's going to be people that have more experience than you. and You're just going to have to learn from them and be patient. Yeah, I, that was one thing I learned real quick in college because and you see it with a lot with college athletes, because I mean, let's be real. If you're going to play a college sport, you were probably a two, three, maybe even a four year starter at your high school. So you're not used to essentially sitting on the bench. And it's hard to do when you come in. Like you said, you're playing with a lot older people and you got yep. people who have three years of experience because college football and high school football, there's a big difference. It, it's yep. definitely the level steps up. But, and you know it was hard that first year to like, just sit there, but you have to be patient, keep working, learn from the people above you. And then eventually, like you said, your time will come. Yeah. And, and as a coach, you've got to teach it. Those kids mm -hmm. that uh, there, it's just something that goes along with coaching. Uh, another thing I like to tell, tell coaches is have a plan, follow that plan and don't divert from it. I mean, kids love, Kids love organization. And when a kid walks out on the practice field, and like, like we're, we're talking about this in our coaching class now, is practice schedules. When a kid walks out on the practice field, they know exactly what's going to happen for the next hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. It's not a guess. And when coaches are organized, and, and you know as well as I do, uh, Coach Warrington, you knew exactly what we were going to do on Monday for a Friday night game. Yep. It wasn't wait until Wednesday and tell you. When we left our coaching meeting on Sunday night, we knew what we wanted to do offensively. We knew what we wanted to do defensively and special team-wise, and that's what we practiced all week. And that's one thing that about coaching is you've got to be organized. And I thought the coaches I had on our staff, they were very organized people. They knew exactly because I would not let them leave on Sunday night until I knew exactly what our practice plan was and what we were going to try and do as a game plan. Oh, yeah. Warrington always had you always had three, at least three plays burned into your head that you knew <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly when they lined up a certain way. You're like, wait a second. I recognize this from all week at practice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Coach Hare was the same way. He was our offensive coordinator. He knew exactly what he wanted to do on Friday night, and that's what he practiced all week. Exactly. So, and, and, that, it, 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 and that's why I'm, I'm grateful for those types of coaches because they, they make you look – they make me look good mm -hmm. because of what they do on the underneath. Yes, that's where a lot of people sometimes don't understand. Like, when you're the head coach – you also have to bring in other people around you because you can't do it all. You can't go coach the offense, then coach the defense. Like you need those people to almost take a step back. So you can take a step back a little yeah. bit and have them help you. And then they do, like you said, they make you look good. And I was very fortunate that I could trust those coaches because they knew what I wanted to do, but, but they knew how to implement it on both sides of the ball. And uh, that, 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 that's just something when you get good assistance, it makes your job so much easier as a head coach. And a lot more fun, I'm sure. <laughs> it, it, it was, yes, it was a lot more fun. But, Even when things weren't going good, you know, we'd have a two-game losing streak or three-game losing. It's not like we just stopped and we were trying to get our kids to pop out of that. 
And so they worked hard every week. It didn't matter whether who we were going against or who, you know, what were, whether we were winning three games or losing three games, we worked the same each week mm-hmm. to prepare yeah. the kids. And that is actually, when you see that out of your coach, like we talked, being a role model, when you see your coaches, even if you're on a three-game losing streak, still preparing as hard as they can, like trying to help you, it makes you as a player want to work harder. Yes, I, I believe that, yeah. But I do have one question that I like to ask all my guests, and it is, if you could go back in time and tell 16-year-old self one thing, what would it be? Oh, my. <laughs> I think, and as I, 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 I really believe in the weight room, and I think when I was growing up, uh, I never really started lifting until my sophomore year, and I really think, and in the weight room not only helps you in football but it helps you in all sports, and I, I that is something that I I preach to our kids when they start in seventh grade is get in the weight room. Uh, and that is something I wish I would have done more as I, as I was growing up. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to have Clayton on me at a young age, you know, and it's like, you got lifting tonight. You're going, and I'm like, you know, I remember one time I said no. And he's like, get in the car, let's go. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess I am going. And like, <laughs> I'm grateful for that because I did have those older siblings to push me and kind of tell me like, you don't yeah. skip out on it. Like now is when you really need to start putting in the work because if you want to do something, you really have to start now because otherwise. And, and, yeah. And you know, the big key there is commitment. Mm-hmm. If you can teach your kids to commit to something, I don't care what sport it is or commit to, you know, doing well in school or, and then when you get out of school, commit to whatever job you have, but at least you, you, you know what a commitment is and that's important. Yeah, because you almost see it today. I hate to say it. Like, you see people kind of bounce from job to job because they can't – They like, all of a sudden, when it gets hard or things don't go yeah. their way, they just think, all right, I'll just go get another job. And, like, it's one thing, like, I learned – remember learning at a young age, like, when you start something, you don't quit. My mom's one rule, I'm, there was times where I wanted to quit various sports for various reasons, and it was once the season starts, you're not quitting. Because you are at that point, you've made the commitment. Once that first game's played, you've already made that commitment. So you got to stick it out for the year. If you don't want to play the next year, that's fine. Don't go play. But you have to. You've already committed. You have to finish out the year. And that was the rule in my house as well. My kid, I told him. I said, when you start a sport, you're going to finish it out. I don't care if you're having a bad year. You're going to finish it out. If you don't want to go out the next year, that's fine but you're not going to bail on your team. Mm-hmm. And, and I was very fortunate because both my kids, they, were, they weren't like great athletes, but they did well in school and they did well in sports. Um, but I think that's because I would never let them quit anything. They had to commit to it. And I think that's helping them out now in, in adult life. It's definitely gone a long way for them. You can definitely say that. They're definitely doing well in their careers from what I've seen. Yeah, they are. But this moves us into the best segment of the podcast, which is Motivation Monday. (laughs) 
point in the episode where I allow the guests to give a Roughnecks listeners a little inspirational bump to set the tone for their week as they listen on Monday morning. So what well, does I've, Coach says? I've, uh, already, I've already told you, it's work hard, stay disciplined, and be patient. Your time will come. I think that is so important for kids to remember. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's sports or a job. I just think you need to stay disciplined. Uh, and don't like, uh, as I say, go off into Scooby-Doo land. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you still got to stay focused and you, you just got to hang in there because when your time comes, you better be ready. Mm-hmm. And I always tell my young kids in coaching, I said, you never know when you're going to go in the, into a game. You're one play away. And if I put you in that game, and, I, and I'm sure you remember practices, I, you know, I got some back, somebody back here fooling around, and I say, hey, buddy, if you get put in the game, do you know what you're going to be doing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that, that hopefully that keeps them on task because you never know when yeah. someone's going to get injured. Exactly. I, I experienced that myself. I've watched yep. it happen in every sport. You never know when someone goes down or in basketball, somebody fouls out, and guess what? You're up. You don't have a choice. That's right. And, but I always believe that your time will come. And uh, I think it's, uh, that's an important thing to think about. Be but patient. With that, that's a wrap on the 61st episode of the Roughnecks podcast. Can't believe that we are 61 episodes into this podcast. Thank you so much, Coach Seb, for finally getting on. I've been wanting, like I said, I've been wanting to do this for a while, just wanted to find the right time. So I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come on the podcast. Thank you, Cole. I appreciate it. And you're doing a wonderful job. It's getting there. It's definitely a process. It's a lot to do, but it's, I love doing it. And I get, it's building, like I said, it's building those connections that you never know when you might need them. But um, I do want to say thank you again, because you've taught me a lot about life and, you know, you've helped a lot with, you know, families, with friends, with this community. So I thank you. And I'm very grateful. And I'm sure I'm saying thank you for the whole Southwest Lincoln community Thank you for everything you've done for walk-ins also, because I know you're, you're about to retire, so it's getting close, but uh, we are very grateful. I know everybody's very grateful for everything you've done for the community. I appreciate that, Cole. Thank you. But we'll be back next week where you get to hear from another coach of mine who is making a reappearance on, he was on one of the very beginning episodes, so be sure to tune in for that. But until next time, you guys know the deal. Life is hard and will knock you down just like a bull does to a bull rider. Don't let the bull of life walk all over you. Get up, grab the bull by the horns, and take control of your life. Roughnecks, out. Thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode of the Roughnecks podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then do a couple things for me if you would. Subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss any of our future episodes. Then share this episode with a friend so that we can continue to spread this podcast and share my guest stories and advice. You guys know the deal though. Until next time, be sure to grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life. Roughnecks, out. Oh, thank you.